Thank you. Good afternoon, Katie. Great to see you. Welcome to 30 Service. Well, we're continuing our series this month on ministers in God's government. And the title of my message here this afternoon is The Twin Towers. No connotation or connection to the unfortunate tragic incident that occurred there in New York regarding the Twin Towers, but more talking about the towers that we build in our lives, mentally, spiritually, physically, but also, very importantly, talking about the tower that we should be building in our lives, and I will come on to that. Why won't you straight away, why don't you turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. We're going back to the book of the beginnings, the Pentateuch, and we're reading from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 9. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower, whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing they, they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from, the, from there over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. Now, this story of Babel is sandwiched between very, two very important key events in biblical history. One being the great flood of Noah just previously, and here, the other side of the sandwich, so to speak, speaking of the life of Abraham, the father of our faith. The towers, towers, it's a fascinating concept, isn't it? We hear about this tower, but around the world we see many towers representing man's great engineering feats and creativity and wonder. I just think of a couple the Empire State Building in New York, the world-famous Empire State Building, one of the tallest buildings in the world, took only 100, well, 410 days to build from when it started to be built in 1930 on the day of St. Patrick. The American Society of Engineers, they've self-branded this great feat of engineering as one of the seven wonders of the modern world. It's an icon there in the heart of New York. But what about slightly closer to home? Newly built, we've got the Great Shard, haven't we? There in our city center that is there on scraping the skyline. It sits in the heart of our city. It's referred to as the Shard of Glass from where it gets its name. 
Its construction started in 2009. I'm sure many of you remember that. And it was completed there in 2012, making it Europe's, Western Europe's most tallest building. It boasts of 11,000 panes of glass. And that's equivalent to us, to visually aid us, is eight football pitches in size of panes of glass. An incredible fate of engineering, and one that cost a tremendous amount of money, I would imagine. They describe it on their internet site as a vertical city where people can live, work, and relax. You see, all these great towers that we see all around in the world, very significant as they are, and great as they are, none, bar none, has got such great historical power and purpose in history than this tower here that we read of in the book of Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. Yes, it was back in those times a great engineering fate, but very importantly, it's not just the natural building of this tower that is significant, it's the spirit that lays behind it. And although this was back approximately in 2100 BC, the 21st century before Christ, its spirit lives on to this day. And its spirit has great significance for the end times when we read in the book of Revelation. This isn't just any old tower. This is a tower that when we pull back the veil of it, firstly of the person that built it, Nimrod and his life, but secondly, the actual standing of this tower and its foundations and what it represents and the spirit that lies before it. This tower, as I said, is sandwiched between very two significant events and we'll come on to that. But Noah, speaking of the event that before Genesis chapter 11 here in Babel, Noah, a great flood has took place. We know the story. God had to start from scratch again with building the world. Man had been handed over to themselves and they were going further and further and further into sin and into depravity. God had no other choice than to wipe the face of the earth and to restart with a faithful man named Noah. Post the flood, Noah had three sons, Ham, Shem and Japheth. And many children were born under these three sons. One very significant person in that downline, though, was a man named Nimrod, Nimrod, an ancestor of Ham, an ancestor of Cush. Now, this was a very significant man. Nimrod there in Genesis chapter 10, 8, just two verses before Genesis chapter 11 there. It says that Cush begat Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Nimrod, is believed, was the architect and was the pioneer, was a visionary of leading God's people to building this great tower. But firstly, let's just look a little bit into this man, Nimrod. 
Because on first impressions, you can think he's a mighty warrior before the Lord God. When I first read into that, I thought, wow, fantastic. He must have been a great man, a great, mighty warrior before the Lord. But when we pull back the veil and look a bit closer, it's not what it seems on first glance. Firstly, before the flood, God had a very clear mandate for mankind. He had a very clear mandate that still stands for you and I today. And Genesis 1, 28 gives us insight into what that mandate is. God had created male and female in the Garden of Eden. And then he gave these clear instructions in verse 28. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. He gave this order before the great flood. And then again after the flood, he came around. And after blessing his sons and Noah, he says to them once again, listen, I've gone and destroyed the earth once. I told them to go forth and multiply to subdue. They went off on a tangent. They've done their own thing. Now Noah, please, and your sons, I do not want to bring devastation on this earth again. Please do as I ask. This is my mandate to you. Be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 9-7. Now be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. Very clear instructions. Pre-flood, post-flood. Go forth, go multiply, and that still stands for you and I today. But here lies the first issue. With this man came Nimrod. You see, in Genesis chapter 11, the first thing that we read was that they were traveling east. You see, whenever you read in the book of Genesis of people traveling east, it's a sign that they're traveling away from the presence of God. That's the first sign, an issue, that something is going wrong here. As you and I know, the moment we start drifting away from the presence of God, there's only one thing we're going to start building in our lives, and that's going to center around self and man's accomplishments. They were traveling to the east. They were traveling away from the presence of the God. They found a plain, a land called Shinar that we read. Shinar is translated in the Hebrew as Babylon. Shinar is Babylon. Nimrod is on his way to the land of Babylon, traveling away from the presence of God. But interestingly, this man, Nimrod as well, when we accurately translate his name, it's not a mighty hunter before the Lord. It's a mighty hunter in defiance of the Lord. Now you see, this was a self-proclaimed name that he had given himself. Again, further insight that we can see in this person of Nimrod. Arrogant, self-obsessed, prideful. Assyrian monarchs back in that time, they glorified their own power. They lifted themselves up. They puffed themselves up. They saw themselves as valiant conquerors in their own eyes. Here was Nimrod, and he here was in direct defiance of God's mandate. He was telling them to go forth and multiply. He was going away from the presence of God, and he settled in Babylon. 
clearly stated mandate of going forth and multiplying and taking dominion had fallen at the wayside. And he gathered his people, this great mighty hunter of defiance to the Lord. And he said, let us build a great city. Everybody will say how great it is. It will reach into the sky. This will make us famous and it keep us from being scattered. See, why is that important? They knew that God had already scattered the earth through the great flood. And here, they were building up fortifications through this tower to defend themselves. Again, the whole emphasis focusing on self, focusing on defending ourselves, focusing on providing for ourselves. That's what happens when we drift away from the presence of God and we drift away from his mandate and what he's uniquely called us to do. They were fearful of being scattered. But what they wanted to do is they wanted to make a name for themselves. This tower would express their achievement to show how great they were. They were trying to defend themselves. They were fearful that again this flood would come. Babel, Babylon, was a magnet for human pride and idolatry. This tower on the future building of the territory is in the biblical Mesopotamia. When we read in Mesopotamia, this Babylonian empire, this Babel was built in that region. Now Mesopotamia is today 50 miles south of modern day Baghdad in Iraq. Archaeologists have gone back and they have unearthed many treasures of this ancient city. This is just not a fallible story. This is a true historic event that took place. And archaeologists in the 19th century dug this up and have found remains and great treasures hidden in these cities. Many of it is in swampland because the Isaiah prophesied that that's what would happen to the city. But what they have managed to excavate, they have found tremendous things. Saddam Hussein, before he was detoppled, he began to rebuild Babel and Babylon. Though the brickworks are in ruins, the spirit behind Babel is ever more powerful to this day. It is important every day that we ask ourselves, what am I building in my life? And very importantly, upon what foundations am I building my life? And with what motives? We see the motive of Nimrod. We see he was drifting away from the presence of God. He sees his motive was all about me, all about building my empire, all about being my tower, all about us making a name for ourselves. Forget the mandate of God. We're here now. We're bright people. We can achieve what we desire to achieve. Arrogance and pride. The foundations of this tower were in the underworld and whose top was in the heavens. We want the foundations of the towers that we build our lives rooted and grounded in the heavens. And we want its top to reach into the world system, to change it, to be the salt, to be the light, to influence it and to impact it for good. We want to build the towers for God's kingdom, don't we? You see, it was a 
man's attempt to be in defiance. And this Babel, this city, the foundations of this tower, the origins of this tower, is what has birthed to this day all false systems of religion. Babel was translated, or Babylon, as the gateways, as the gateway of their gods. They built this tower so their deities could ascend and descend from heaven to it. It was false religion. It was pagan worship. It was idolatry. They wanted their tower to reach up into the heavens. They wanted it to be famous. They wanted it to be impressive from a man's perspective. But from God's perspective, from heaven's perspective, it was laughable. It was completely laughable. Why don't we refresh ourselves in verse 4 again. It says, And they said, Come, let us build the city, the tower that reaches up in the heavens. Let's make our name for ourselves. And here in verse 5, it says, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower. Can you see how laughable that is? They were building this great tower, great feat of human engineering. They were going to build this tower right up into the heavens, right up to clock God, right up into the clouds. Look, we're making our way to God up in the heavens. Look how great we are. How laughable is it that God had to come down to have a look all the way down to earth. Things from God's perspective are completely different from our perspective. God came down to see in comparison to the towers that he can build, in comparison to his great creation, is a speck of dust, is irrelevant, is insignificant. How many people out there in this world are building great constructions of man, thinking that it's incredible? of which a lot of it is, but through the lens of the word, through the lens of the spirit, importantly through the eyes of God, it's insignificant, it's nothing, it doesn't even register. They're building their lives here on man-made bricks, but God wants us to build our lives with gold, silver, and precious stone, the things that cannot be washed aside, the things that cannot be taken away, the treasures that we store up in heaven, the things that we build for God as him, as the center of everything we do. So God is gathering his team together in verse 5 to go down to have a look at this tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they have one language and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down there. Let's confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them. Why is this important? God knew that they were all in one accord, all speaking one language. And he knows, he saw previously to the flood what man can do when they're unified. We're all created in God's image. We can achieve incredible things. God has put those things inside us. And a sign of building incredible things isn't always a sign of God being with it and on it. 
in fact, a complete reversal. Here is an incredible fate of building, but God was nowhere near it. And we've got to be mindful of that. We must build our lives on the center of him. So they went down and they scattered them. They bought the mixing of languages. They dispersed them. He knew the power of their unity. A mankind with one focus, in one accord, what they can achieve. And he disbanded them. He broke up their language. They brought confusion. Babel is where the word babbling comes from. What are you babbling on about? That's where it comes from. Its origins, they dispersed, and God spread them and set them areas to go to. Again, showing here the grace of God. He didn't completely destroy them, but he fragmented them, and they went on their way. Some stayed rebuilding, continuing to build. Not Babel, that was incomplete, but they began to build this great city of Babylon. The others were dispersed, abound, different regions and in different areas, hoping to kickstart them, that they may follow God, that they may be humbled, and they may begin to build upon his foundations of what he wanted them to achieve and what he, he wanted them to do. It was an embarrassment. It was man's way of trying to be great, but it was futile in the presence of the living God. God had come down to see what they were building because it was that insignificant. But one thing God knew, he knew the power of man and he knew the power of unity and he dispersed them rightly. Now, what are we building in our lives, I wonder? What physical towers are we building every day in our lives? But very importantly, upon what foundations is it that we're building? You see, towers aren't always just the physical thing. Babel, a physical thing. The great empire state building, a physical tower. Big Ben, the Shard. All these are great external towers. But there are tremendous towers that you and I, every day of our lives, are building. Not externally, not physically, but mentally in our mind. We're building towers. We're building strongholds in our being. And these get rooted in us. And they get built upon. And if the foundations aren't right, it can begin to crumble in our lives. They say every thought eventually will manifest in an action. So these towers of thoughts and mindsets and philosophies and cultures that we have, consciously or subconsciously, that we're all building up in our minds, are building something in us. And in time, our thought will manifest in an action. Judge a tree by its fruit, the Bible says. God wants to pull down these towers in our mind that aren't founded on him, that aren't being built for his glory. He wants to bring them down. He wants to establish his foundations in our lives. And he wants us to build great towers for the things of him to glorify his name. You know, I was in the military before in my career. 
and before we went out on any mission. There's two key things we needed to know. Above many things we needed to know. But these two key things we would always have cemented in our minds. The vital ground that we must take that is imperative for the success of the mission, but then also the key terrain that if we take that, the mission will be successful. First of all, vital ground. Secondary, what is your key terrain? The vital ground for our life and for our journey as believers, let me tell you, is the mind. That is your vital ground. For the success of your life and the mission to be fruitful for God, you first must take the ground of your mind. You must tear down the strongholds that are against the things of God. And you must build it with the truth. You must build your mind of pillars of truth in your mind. The truth of the word. Second thing you need to do is know your key terrain. What is the key terrain that God has called you uniquely to take and subdue and to take dominion? Families, your workplace, your unique place of work, your key terrain at the time where God has called you to be. All these things are paramount for the success of your life and for the building of the kingdom of God. I'll ask you, what are you building? What are the foundations? Everyone is building something. Every one of us. We may be building towers on previous hurts. Are we building towers in our life on neglect? Are we building towers on our life through offense, through anger? through rebellion, through maybe embarrassment, through shame, through low self-esteem, through depression, through fear, through anxiety, through depression, maybe discouragement, maybe pride, self-righteousness, disappointment in our lives, culture, what cultures against the kingdom culture that we're, all, we're just brought up in. We've been surrounded by the culture of our family, the culture of our nation. They become so normal to us that we think it's truth. But we've got to look through the word of God to seek his truth and establish the foundations and the pillars that we build upon those truths. You see, these can get in the way of building God's pillars, God's towers in our lives and in our mind, the towers of truth. God wants to break down these towers in your life to build the towers of truth and upon the foundations of his spirit and upon his word and upon his mandate for your life. We've all got them. I remember a key time in my life when God was about to do a mighty work in pulling down a tower in my life. I was a very, and still am in elements of my life, a strong-willed man. 
I learned to do everything in my own strength and in my own ability. I was a young soldier. I was brought up in a military family. Everything was own strength. Everything was own ability. And I used to grizz myself through situations. I used to plow myself through putting myself in hospital on many occasions from doing myself damaging by pushing my body to the ultimate extreme. I could do it. I will do it. I will achieve. And a lot of that put me in good stead in my life. I believe God rode off the back of that on many occasions to get me to where he was, his mercy and his grace, so he could slowly begin to work with me. Because life is a journey, isn't it? Things don't just happen overnight. These towers don't just come tumbling down. A lot of the towers we have in our life isn't our own fault. But God is a process of renewing our minds. Do not be conformed to this world, but by transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's a progressive thing. It's a progressive action. Justification, sanctification. Being saved, we're ultimately saved, but we're being saved is a process, isn't it? But we keep our hands to the plow and we keep going. God had to put me right in the midst of a nasty situation to break me, but it was the making of me to this day, I tell you. God works everything together for his good and glory. And at the time, it doesn't feel nice, but I tell you what, it will make you. When the potter starts to begin to do his work on the clay, when he begins to refine you, it hurts. But he's making you. He loves you, and he's watching out for you. He only chastens the ones he loves. I was in the heart of the Middle East in a major firefight. We had to take a stronghold of the enemy. I knew my vital ground. I knew my key terrain. And that vital ground that we had to take was not going to be easy. It had taken hundreds and hundreds of American and British men's lives. And to overtopple that was going to be hard. It was going to be tough. I needed to dig deep into every part of me, mentally, physically, and very importantly, spiritually. We got thumped hard in a heavy ambush. Firefight and the weight of fire I've never experienced in my life. It deafened me to my core. 50 caliber machine gun fizzing past my ears and dancing around my feet. Rocket propelled grenades. Indirect fire crashing in all around us, running to any bit of available cover that I could possibly get. The fire got so intense and so heavy. It was like I was in a three-way conversation. I stood back while these bullets were fizzing around with me as I was running away from the enemy. And I said, God, 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 what are you doing to me? Please, enough. I know you said no weapon formed against me shall not prosper, but this is getting a little bit too close now, God. Please, stop, enough. I was petrified to my core. I've never been so fearful. But in the midst of that, it was as if God was just hovering over the top of me, completely at peace, in complete calm. And I thought, how can you be there in such peace and calm when I'm potentially in a whistleblow, in a click of my fingers, that bullet's going to fizz through the back of my head. How can you be so calm, God, in this situation? You call yourself a loving God. How can you do this to me? For the first time in my life, I was angry with God. You do this to your son. You call yourself a loving father. 
you're letting me get shot at, and I'm petrified for my life here. Psalm 91, where are you now? But in the midst of that, I tell you, as if God got a baseball bat out of his cupboard, he says, come here, my boy. This is going to hurt, but I tell you what, I'm going to make you. I love you, my boy. He took a baseball bat and he whacked me into my spiritually, into my innermost being. At that point, I felt something shatter and break inside me. I didn't have time to really meditate on it. I had to get out of where I was being shot at. I dove myself into a bit of cover. I've got myself some rounds down, managed to suppress the enemy's head, and I got myself out of there. We got back on the helicopters. We extracted back home. We were shattered. We were ruffled up. We were a little bit dusted and a little bit bruised. And I laid on my bed, all of us a little bit shell-shocked, if I'm honest with you. I turned my back on God and I laid there. I said, I'm not talking to you. I'd never been like this in my life. But he hurt me. I felt hurt. That was too close, God. That was too close. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. But that still, small, quiet voice that you hear in your spirits, you know, I believe the Lord said to me, as he just sat on his bed next to me, patiently, son, I never said that no weapon would be formed against you, did I? I said the weapon would form against you, but I did say it would not prosper. You're still laid here now, aren't you? Something clicked in me. Oh, yeah. That's a good point, Lord. I started to soften up a little bit, and I got out of my little tantrum, and I kind of like rolled back over on my bed towards him. The men were still starfished, everyone a little bit dazed. But I felt something tremendous happen in my life. Like something had broken inside me, and this aroma, this sweetness, this tenderness, this softness, this, the only thing I could describe was like a, like a humidity. I felt light. I felt weightless. I felt loved like I've never been loved before. One of the boys said, lad, should we go for a coffee? I wanted to stay experiencing what I was experiencing, this presence. And I said, okay. And he said, let's go. We went for a coffee, but it was as if I was walking on thin air floating. And I said, Lord, Lord. And I know this sounds quite arrogant, but I, know, I remember these are my words. I felt the humblest man in the world. I felt so humble. God had broken me so much, there was nothing left of me. I just had to let go of my life in that moment where he broke me. But in the breaking of me and the letting go of me, I suddenly felt so alive. And I remember saying to God, God, please, may this presence never, ever leave me. Please, Lord, if I could just live in this place that I'm experiencing and feeling right now, I will be the richest man in the world. I have no need of anything else, Lord. I feel the richest man in the world. 
My external had not changed at all. In fact, I was stuck in the middle of a war-torn desert. But I felt alive. And I felt the true riches of his glory as experiencing his presence. God had broken the tower of my mind of self-effort and of pride and self-containment from me. And he began to fill it with his life and with his truth. My life has never been the same. And it's upon those truths that I'm building my life. I have only felt in mere flashes that ecstasy that I was experiencing that day. And it's my prayer all the time, Lord, please, please, may I live in that presence. May I have it back, please, Lord. That's my prayer. God wants us to build upon those truths, upon those foundations, the towers that we build in our life. God is looking for people who will build his kingdom on the foundations of him and will fulfill his mandate upon the spirit and upon the cornerstone, upon the fortified tower of the living God. Nimrod had messed up. Nimrod had taken people away to the east, away from the presence, and they were building their own empires, they're doing their own thing. God must have been pulling his hair out. What do I have to do to get through to you people? Lord Jesus, you couldn't come quick enough. But he had a mission to do. He knew that he had to get Jesus on that cross. He had to die for us that we may have the power to live for him. We still fall, we still fail, even with those troops. But he was looking for a man or a woman who would be faithful to God. I said the story of Babel is sandwiched between two pieces of bread almost. The Babel being the center. One, Abraham. We heard of Noah and his descendants. The other side, Noah, Abraham. Abraham. Human sinfulness had burst all limits as man tried to trespass God's realm by building a skyscraping tower. The stage was being set now for a fresh start for mankind. God needed a fresh vessel to begin to orchestrate his plans for mankind. These tower builders sought fame through adultery ambition. But God, to this man Abraham, he promised him a famous name because of his humble and faithful obedience. What a contrast to Nimrod, wanting to make his own name, made up his own name. But here was God calling this man faithful, calling him obedience. Genesis 12, 1 to 9. We move slightly to the right from the Babel, Genesis 11, and we read now this seed that God has found and discovered to continue the advancing of God's kingdom. Genesis 12, 1 to 9. God finds a man named Abraham who was established with his family in a place called Haran. God spoke to Abraham and said, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. 
I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Abraham continued moving as God said, and instead of building towers to make his name great, Abraham built altars to God. He built towers to God. And God was with him, and Abraham was walking in God's blessing for his life. God had found a man like Noah before him to continue the advance of God's love and blessing to mankind. To you and I here today, Abraham stands as the father of many nations. We are the seed of Abraham, and he became the father of many nations. How about me and you? Can God look down to you and me and say, there's a man, there's a woman. That's a man I want to use. That's a woman I want to use to again begin to advance my kingdom. God wants to pull down those strongholds. He wants to fill it with the spirit of life. He wants you to build upon the solid foundations of his name and upon his cross. So what is it we're building? We know the foundations of what we've got to build our lives on, paramount. But what is it we're tangibly building? I don't know about you, but I want to see and I want to know what is it I'm being, building? What tangibly, Lord, is it you want me to do? And I know that's unique to each and every one of us. But if the Tower of Babel, speaking on the Twin Towers represents a tower that you do not want to build, founded on self-righteousness and proud, pride and arrogance. The foundation, the tower that you do want to build is the tower of Zion. In our minds, we've got to build the towers of truth. You see, not that it's always demonic, but man is always establishing and building things, practically, physically, but also in our minds. You see, the spirit of this age, the spirit of Babel, will then come in and inhabit whatever we are building and use it as a stronghold, use it as a base of power to achieve his demise and his will. But we've got to fill those buildings, those towers, in society, in our workplaces, the tower of law and order, the tower of medicine and health, the tower of sport and leisure. How many of them are being inhabited by the spirit of Babylon and are bringing its oppression and spirit of the age to our worlds. But in our minds, we've got to recapture those lies, fill it with the word of truth, tear down those strongholds, build upon the solid foundations. And then we've got to take the light and truth of Christ into our worlds and begin to reestablish those towers, the vital ground, the key terrain 
of where God has called us to be. What is Zion? Zion is the city of God. David, as we know, was a man after God's heart. Another man that God looked down upon and said, there's a man, a man over my own heart, faithful, true. I can build something with this boy. A young shepherd there, out in the hills, out in the deserts. I can build something with him. He's faithful. When no one's even looking, he goes and takes the lion, he goes and takes the bear. He didn't need to do that. But that's the sort of zeal I want in a person who's doing my kingdom. He doesn't just do things where people can see, but I can see behind the closed doors of a faithful, good person. He's watching. We don't perform for man, we perform for the living God. You see, Babel went on for generations and generations, hundreds of years. That seed that was built from Nimrod built the Babylonian Empire, a huge military might. It even captured Jerusalem, God's home for his people. And he arrested them and he took the Israelites into captivity. That same Babel from the seed of Nimrod that built that took captive the people as we know of Ezra, of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar II. It was he that overtook Jerusalem. It was he that captured Mishad, Shadrach, and Abednego. He took Daniel, bright young men, and he tried to turn them to pagan worship. Jerusalem was in exile and was taken over by Babylon. Babylon is still advancing and building. God did marvelous, miraculous things in the life of Daniel and those three young men because they remained steadfast in this antichrist Babylonian system. And right now, you and I are surrounded out there by this Babylonian system. Everywhere we look and everything you do. And we can take many lessons from the people like Daniel who in the midst of this Babylonian empire stood up to these great kings said, I shall not bow to your gods. They tried to arrest him to install pagan rituals and traditions into him. Get Babylon off me. I'm a child of the Most High God. It's upon him that I serve and him alone. Do not fear what man can do you, but fear the living God. Throw him in the lion's den. The lion didn't touch him. Thrown into the forest furnace. Jesus comes down in amidst with them. They come out not even smelling of smoke. We've got to come out of Babylon. We've got to identify Babylon. What is our key terrain that we've got to take? What is Babylon? How is it operating? What is its thoughts? What is its philosophies? We've got to remind our, renew our minds to the truth of the kingdom to identify it. We come out. We renew our minds. We filter our life through the word of God and through the spirit of the kingdom coming. 
we don our armor, Ephesians 6, 10, that God has given us to protect us. We get hold of our tools to build God's towers, to build the city of Zion, the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit that will penetrate, that will influence the spirit of Babylon and those towers that are being resurrected across our capital and across the world. You've got to be like Daniel, steadfast and strong in the midst of their persecution. God, give us the strength, I pray. David, the city of Zion. Zion is what we're building. And it means fortification. We're building a fortified tower of God. Not necessarily physically speaking. Zion became a seat of power in Israel's kingdom. Zion in the Old Testament means figuratively speaking. Israel and its people of God there. In the New Testament, Zion refers to God's spiritual kingdom. And it's that that you and I are building. We're building Zion. We're building God's spiritual kingdom. 1 Peter 4, he says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and he who trusts in him shall never be put to shame. We are the stones, the building blocks to build the spiritual kingdom of Zion. We're called to prepare the bride for the coming of the groom once again, where he'll tear down every tower. He'll tear down everything that exalts itself against the Most High God. You're the bricks building the tower of Zion. I find it interesting, and I want to give you this one last link. We said back there in the middle of, of Babel, do you see how God came down and dispersed them and their languages because they're all unified, all speaking the same language with all one purpose. That would be fantastic if they were unified on the cornerstone of Christ and they were all speaking one language. Because let me tell you, the biggest thing the enemy wants to do is to dilute us, is to pollute us, is to, is to divide us because he knows the power of a band of people, of a community with Christ, the temple, in the heart of it, unified and speaking one language. What about the day of Pentecost? There, Acts 2.4, God gave them the command, Jesus, go up into the upper room and wait for the power upon high. What came? The power of the Holy Spirit. Christ Jesus, our cornerstone, our foundation, 
to which they were now building their lives, faithful and true to what Jesus told them to do. Go, wait. Then the spirit of the living God came and they all began to speak one language. Let me tell you, God has set the cornerstone, the foundations. We are the stones. We are coming together in unity and in community. And let me tell you, we all speak the same language. We're all speaking the heavenly language. If we stay together, if we stay with one accord, there's no stopping the church and the body of Christ doing what God has called it to do. We're building the temple of the living God. There's no greater honor. Let's build, and let's build hard. Let's advance and do what Christ has called us to do. Let's go forth, and let's multiply. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it, and they are safe. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows in the holy temple, in the Lord, whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of the Spirit of God. Let's stand to our feet here this afternoon, Kenston Temple. There's one tower, an important tower that I didn't mention at the beginning of my message. A famous tower. It's the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The Leaning Tower of Pisa was built on faulty foundations. It is believed that the Leaning Tower of Pisa in about 75 to 100 years is going to tumble and it's going to fall. The world system and Babylon has built itself on the wrong foundations. And let me tell you, it's going to fall. It's going to tumble. But in that interim, I encourage you, remain steadfast, remain strong, build your life on the cornerstone, renew your mind to his truth, and take heed with revelation, speaking of the things to come, 18, 1 to 4, where here, John, by the angel speaks to him about the end times and this is what is said about that tower of Babel and the Babylonian system and the Babylonian spirit that's still operating in this time John says after these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority and the earth was illuminated with his glory and he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon, the great, is fallen. It's fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated verse. We're praying for our hearts to come alive to God, aren't we? And that his glory may be illuminated in your hearts. And that his glory may be illuminated through you in the marketplace, in the key terrain where God 
has called you to be. Take the vital ground, renew it with the light of Christ, and take the key terrain where God has called you. Don't head east, away from his presence. Head into his presence and keep building on the cornerstone and build his tower. Build the spiritual Zion and let's see the kingdom come and his will be done. Let's lift up our hearts. Let's lift up our voices. Let's lift up our hands and let's give the Lord of Jesus some praise and some worship. And let's declare Babylon has fallen in the name of Jesus.